here I am feeling like a total failure, right? I had this business and it closed and it was all messed up. And I thought I was going to, you know, be the 90 year old lady still there teaching dance lessons type of thing. And when I look back on it, I realize I was never going to make the type of income that I wanted. And I probably was never going to reach the number of people whose lives I wanted to change. Camille Diaz is an optimization coach, host of the Money Heart podcast and the author of the book, The Shakeup. But before she was the life-changing coach that she is now, she owned a ballroom dancing studio with several partners. That was before the partnership crashed and burned, leaving her with that feeling that she was not in the right path. Then something happened that took her by complete surprise. Coaching found her. Coaching is more of connecting the head and the heart piece. It's realizing that there's a person behind this business and that they have thoughts and feelings and fears and all of this kind of stuff, as well as running a business. In this episode, I asked Camille to share with us about the decisions that led up to her rise as a top coach, podcaster, and author, so that you can also start to see failures as opportunities. And I know we all need a little bit of that pretty much every day. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut, which you can access completely free in the full version you'll hear Camille's upbringing and what made her the way that she is now. I also asked her, what's up with the costumes that she wears during podcast interviews? To watch the full version for free, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're celebrating the achievements of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and also trying to figure out what to do with your kids on their day off, Head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the woman who wears all the hats, Camille Diaz. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose. To help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hello, everyone. Today, I have my friend Camille Diaz on the podcast. Hi, Camille. Hey. Thank you so much for being here. Like, this is such a pleasure to get to talk to you again. Yes. Thank you, Ina. I am super excited to be here and really grateful that you invited me to the Global Phenomenon podcast. Can't wait to share. <laughs> Let's do this. So first, why don't you tell everyone what you do and who you help right now? Right now. Yes. So I help entrepreneurs streamline their business so they can regain their life. I know, right? <laughs> I, I, like, I just what? made a face like that sounds like something people need. <laughs> right? like, that is awesome. And don't worry, we're going to dive into this because okay. I, I definitely want everyone to walk away with some really good gold nuggets that they can go sure. and apply in their businesses. But you know, I like to start way back. Okay. So 
I like to start with, you know, how does someone go from studying biological sciences to becoming <laughs> an entrepreneur? Because in your story, I mean, you start entrepreneurship pretty early on. This is not something recent for you. When did you stop thinking doctor is the path and start thinking something else might be? Yeah. So somewhere around my senior year in high school, I think is when I realized I didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't want to see everybody on their hard days. Like I realized that the doctors see people when they're sick, when they're injured, when they're suffering. And for me, I was like, I don't know if I can hang. Like, I don't know if I can do that every single day, day in, day out, see people on their hard day, you know, see people on their sick day, see people on their, I really don't feel good. I'm desperate. I need you to help me day. Yeah. And I, I was kind of a mature decision for a 17 year old, you know, right. <laughs> it's like, that was a lot of insight. I'm like, okay, good, good choice for me there. Not that I couldn't have done it academically, but I'm not sure that I would have loved it emotionally. I still stuck with biology because I found it fascinating and thought it was really interesting. And I was kind of good at it. At least I understood the concepts and I thought organic chemistry was cool, which most mm -hmm. people thought it was miserable. So it's like, all right. And I did get my degree in that. I ended up at the zoo. So I went to UC Santa Barbara and mm -hmm. I ended up working at the Santa Barbara zoo. I had not really picked, this is my path. This is my gift. How do I overlap I call it my zone of joy with mm -hmm. my zone of genius yeah. and, and do something that I'm really fabulous at and really love. How did you figure that one out? What happened yeah. then? <laughs> it took forever. Well, I mean, when I describe, so I have a book coming out, The Optimized Entrepreneur. And when I describe my career path in there, you know, some entrepreneurs have the path that's like kind of a straight line, might wait for just a little bit, but they mostly just start in one place and kind of go up. Yeah. And when I talk about my path, I feel like it's the corn maze that was created by the drunken farmer and his <laughs> tractor has just gone every which way. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So I started on grounds crew, orientation staff, zoo, after school program, zoo, logistics. So booking trucks for shipping from a fruit company and then SEO, web development, PPC advertising stuff. And then, but wait, that that's, was a, that's kind of a leap. Now we're a talking, big leap. So my husband does that. Yeah. So okay. my husband does that. He had started his company. And when I left the corporate job, I just ended up working with him because mm -hmm. that way I could stay home with the babies, but we could still earn a little bit extra if I did some hours for his company. So that's okay. kind of how I made that leap. How did this come how about? Did this happen? So you're, yeah, yeah. You're working with your husband at mm -hmm. this point, right? Mm -hmm. So where yep. did ballroom come yep. in? Yeah. So we had moved from California to Oklahoma and mostly because, well, one, there was the job at the zoo that I was able to get and then housing prices. I don't know if you're familiar with housing prices on the East and West coast of the U S but they're a little bit high. Mm. And when you have toddlers, a high housing price is hard because <laughs> right. you're thinking, I got to put these kids in college someday. I might not want to spend all my money on the house. Right. So I'm driving to the grocery store one day and there's a billboard that says ballroom studio. And I'm like, well, I used to do that. I haven't done it in a few years, but I could, I could figure it out. You know, I could do it again. So I went 
And I started, I've just picked it up again, started meeting people. It was fabulous. I really, really needed it. I needed the community and the connection and people to hang out with that like things that I liked and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So a few years into that, a friend that I had met through there wanted to start a studio and three of us ended up becoming partners. So that's kind of how that happened. And it was fabulous. We used to have like a hundred people on a Saturday night for a party and it just, it was amazing. We would pack the place and, and just have a blast. And then one partner left and a new partner came in and the chemistry was all wrong and it just kind of melted down. So we ended up closing and it was a mess. I mean, we had debt and we broke the lease and got sued. Like it was a nightmare, nightmare. So after that, here I am feeling like a total failure, right? I had this business and it closed and it was all messed up. And I thought I was going to, you know, be the 90 year old lady still there teaching dance lessons type of thing. When I look back on it, I realize I was never going to make the type of income that I wanted. And I probably was never going to reach the number of people whose lives I wanted to change through that studio. But it was a fabulous experience while I was there. And after it closed, I started getting phone calls. The phone was ringing and people were calling me and saying, hey, so sorry that happened, but what do you think about my shoe store? Could you help me with my vet business? What about my construction company? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a real estate agent and I could really use somebody to. And after like the fourth or fifth one of those, I was like, oh, I think this is a business. I should probably charge. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Had you had any exposure at this point to what being a business consultant would be like? No, this was kind of my first for it. Well, yes and no. I, I guess no is not entirely right because my husband does e-commerce web development and he started out in corporate and then left after about six years and started his own company. And he does a lot of consulting and he had been running it for quite some time before this happened. So mm-hmm. it's not like I didn't know what it was like to have clients, what it was like to you know have calls with them and support them and sometimes have weird situations come up. And like, I understood the entrepreneur thing and I understood how it worked. So mm-hmm. it wasn't totally foreign to me. Also in ballroom, you still have clients. They're your people. And, you know, even though they visit the studio as a whole, you still have your private clients that you work with and personally coach. So I guess that was an inaccurate answer. Yeah. I totally knew what it was like to have clients. I just didn't know what it was like to be a business coach. Like that was new. The the business consulting world was a little bit new, but not totally foreign. Now you need to explain a little bit about the difference between coaching and consulting, because you could have totally just gone down that route and said, okay, I help brick and mortar businesses, right? And, and mm-hmm. construction businesses and all these guys do better with their business. Yep. And that's what I do. Yep. And, you, and you have a website and you go through connections and affiliates and that's your business and you're making a good living for your family. What is coaching? Yeah. At this point, right? So I, I'd love to know, like, how do you make that leap from? Because what I just explained, the business consulting side, business consultants, like, do not relate to the coaching industry. Like, they're not a part of this coaching universe. So I'd love to know how you went from that to, like, is coaching a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how everybody else sees it, but... The consulting, like you said, it's very business-like, like Mm -hmm. traditional, what you think of as business-like. 
coaching is more of connecting the head and the heart piece. Mm-hmm. It's realizing that there's a person behind this business and that they have thoughts and feelings and fears and all of this kind of stuff, as well as running a business. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes you're absolutely right. I use the terms interchangeably because I end up doing both. (laughs) I am doing the piece where I'm consulting and helping them with their business structure, with their systems, with their processes, with their organization, you know, all of that kind of thing with some strategy. But I am also doing the piece where we're talking about the things that freak them out. And the things that they're really worried about. And I don't know how to talk to this person, or I don't know how to deal with this client that I have, or, you know, I can't go to sleep at night because I'm really worried that next month I'm not going to make rent if I do this expansion, like stuff like that. So I feel like the coaching piece is more where we address the thoughts and the feelings that are happening around the business, not just straight business, you know, let's make a vision statement, let's make some goals, you know, that kind of like more, I guess, science-y side of it. How did you find coaching then? Fell into it, just fell into it. Because it's what people needed. That's <laughs> what people so were asking from me. <laughs> you just started doing it. And now I just started doing it. Like magically a coach. So how did that go? Tell us, walk <sighs> us through like the first year where you realize, okay, I'm business coaching plus consulting, right? Because I'm guiding right. people and also giving them business strategy. What was that first year like? Yeah, so it was surprisingly good. So I looked into a bunch of like certification programs and things like that. Cause I thought, well, you know, I probably should get some sort of certification and I should have some letters behind my name, that type of a thing. Okay. Sound official, you know, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 And I went and I looked up the programs and the program I was looking at said, okay, you got to do these classes and they wanted, you know, you have to pay them for the classes, of course, and you pay the classes and you take the tests and then you had to go do hours in the field. And you had to like get a hundred hours with actual clients before you could be fully certified. So go get your hours. So my brain and my financial fiscally responsibleness, I guess, said, "Hmm, well, if I'm going to have to coach a hundred hours before I can get the certification, before I spend the money on this class, how about I go do the hundred hours? And then if I still think I need the class, I'll go back and get the certification. It's been like six years, no certification. <laughs> didn't need it. Didn't need it. Didn't, didn't need, need it. it. I have, I, I'm going to say this out loud. So it's not that you wouldn't learn a ton through a certification program. It's not that you wouldn't get great connections. It's not that you wouldn't learn things. It's just that in the coaching industry, a license to practice It's not a legal requirement. So I've worked with people who have told me, no, wait, I need to go and get my certification before I can start getting clients. And I tell them like, I'm going to just give you a tip right now. When you go to the certification class, there's going to be two kinds of people. Bucket number one is the people who have been getting clients already, who already have a business, already have experience, and they're there basically literally for the letters behind their name. Like they they want to make it official. They're already going to be business owners and they're going to have a much 
different appreciation for the material because they will have already had real life experience. And then there's going to be the second bucket of people who say, I can't even get a client without going through this class first. And my question to you is, which bucket do you want to be in? Do you want to be with the cool kids or do you want to be with the beginners? You do not need a certification to get started getting your clients. And that's that's basically what you proved to yourself by just doing that. Just doing it. I said, what would I do essentially if I was coaching myself, you know, if I was a new business owner, which I was, and I was coaching myself because I had started other businesses before I had built a curriculum company after the after school mm-hmm. program that I was with. And, you know, so I had been doing this entrepreneur thing and not doing it great, but doing it. <laughs> and then I was like, how can I start this without spending a lot of money, without spending a lot of time taking a class and doing all this stuff? how about I just go give it a try? I already had clients. I already had people. I already had clients. It's like, we already have clients. Why don't you just learn what you need to learn to help them? And I have invested in other ways in myself. You know, I have hired coaches to coach me, not just on things that I needed help with, but also to coach me on coaching. I found people that were really good coaches that I respected and thought, wow, they're rocking it and they're doing a great service for people. How do they do that? So I've hired them to like give me tips and stuff. So the education piece has been very valuable, but I'm one of those people that will go find the exact answer I need to fill the gap that I've identified. I won't just sign up for something because it's part of the process. I did that for years and years. I just, I did everything that everybody else told me to do. And I ended up not really loving what I was doing. Good at it, but not really loving it. So we need to say this again and we need to say it out loud because I love what you just said. You got to make decisions in your business based on what your business needs. What is the next thing that you need? You don't make decisions based on what sale is going on right now, what Facebook ad hits you in the face today, which new coach is running a promotion right now and the cart closes on Friday. That's not how you make your decisions. Make your decisions based on what is it that you need right now. You got to decide that in closed doors with yourself and your business and your numbers and your goals, and yes. then step outside and see who can help me get there. And it sounds like you stumbled upon the perfect way to do this. So you wouldn't spend the first year over investing and under earning, right? Like investing in all these things and then still not getting clients and still wondering why you're in the hole, right? Exactly. You were doing everything right. In the meantime, while you're building this coaching practice, what do your family members think about it? Do they understand it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not always. I mean, yes and no. They thought I was good at it. They liked it, but also they kind of want to hang back and see if it results in anything, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And part of it, you know, part of it, they'd been burned because I had done other things. I'd had a curriculum company that I still sell the curriculum online, but it wasn't a six figure earning company, you know, a few hundred a month type of a thing, not a lot. And I had also then had the studio, which was a total crash and burn, left us with a pile of debt, you know, so there was some skepticism happening. And I think that was justified skepticism. And in fact, I believe it helped me to make better decisions going forward because starting out, you know, newer entrepreneur, I'm putting everything into this. It's going to be amazing. Couple of setbacks later, looking at it going, okay, this might not go the way I planned. 
how can I minimize my risk? How can I minimize my loss? How can I make do with what I have and be successful first? And then I can start putting some more money into this. So I really did things much better, but it took me a couple of tries of messing it up before I was finally like, okay, I'm going to do this better. Now, this is one of the biggest fears of people who are starting out in the coaching industry is that, wait, what if I choose the wrong niche? What if I choose the wrong ideal client? What if I fail miserably after a year and I fail publicly, right? Because this is the first time that I'm going for like corporate, right? Which is quote unquote normal, which is traditional. Nobody's going to judge me for having a corporate job. All of a sudden people judging everything I do. And if at the end of the year, it turns out to be a total failure, then I have to swallow my pride. I have to like, there's no way to save face. I just have to face the fact that I failed. And this is something, this is a feeling that prevents a lot of people from even starting. Now, here you are like three ventures later, right? Trying things out, right? Things not working out. You dusting yourself off and getting yourself back up and doing something else and trying it again and trying it again. I'd love to know what message you have for that person who's afraid of even taking the first big step because like, but what if I fail? Right. I will tell you, you will fail. Something will not go right. You might not fail with everything, but something will fail. You'll try a promotion. You'll try a whatever. You'll try something. You'll try to build your own website and it'll be a disaster. Somewhere along the line, something will fail. You will learn. You will figure it out. You will be better afterwards. And just because it's a failure in your eyes does not mean everybody else saw it as a failure. I was super depressed, super hurt, super feeling like I was like the worst entrepreneur on the planet when that dance studio closed. I made all the wrong decisions. I did everything horribly. Like I was just so down on myself. And then the phone started ringing and people started asking me for my help because they saw my strengths. They saw the value I added. They saw how I organized things. They saw how smoothly events ran and how consistently we had people and they wanted a piece of that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was freed up and not running the studio anymore that they started asking me for that help. No one is asking me to consult with them or coach them while I was running the studio. Mm -hmm. That only happened after that was off my plate. So yeah, you're going to fail at something, but just because you think it was a horrible failure does not mean the rest of the world saw it as a horrible failure. They might just see all the great things that came out of it. And the fact that whatever it is that you start building right now, that's the word, it builds on itself. You're not aware of it. You didn't start the studio thinking that, wait, after a few years, when we end up in debt and we have to close our doors, I'm going to turn it into my perfect career. Like there is no way to create the perfect plan to where you're meant to be. There's only doing what you feel is right in that moment and really giving it your all. Because I believe you when you say like, I love this place. Like I thought this was the best, the best, but like I was home. I thought I was going to be 90 years old and still here. So I want everyone to realize that when we start something, we can't detach ourselves so much from 
our emotions. Like don't expect to be completely detached from the outcome of what you're about to step into. You got to feel the passion and you got to feel all the feels and be all in because that's the only way that is going to work out in the end in whatever shape or form. And there's no way for us to know what that's going to be. There's, there's just no way. When you started down the coaching path, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, you find yourself writing books and starting a podcast. And I'd love to know uh, which one came first. And at which point did you start thinking like writing a book would be a good idea and I have something to say. So writing the book probably started 10 years before the book actually showed up. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a process that nobody sees. They just see the end product. Once I actually started intentionally writing the book, it took about two years Mm -hmm. of writing before I had the actual book. But as I was cleaning up files, I would go back and find old stuff, you know, on my computer from like, oh, what's this? And I'd open up and be like, oh, well, I put that in the book. And I hadn't even looked at that file. It was just that same concept was in me that I wanted to get it out and share it. And I think that's kind of the same with the book I'm writing now. It's concepts that I've been building this whole time as an entrepreneur that now I'm going, I'm going to save some other people some grief. Like, let me put this out there so that somebody else can read it and go, oh, great. Don't do that. (laughs) I was about to do that. I've had a couple of beta readers read it. And one of them says, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, I love this information. And the other one said, I wish I would have had this before I started my bakery because she had a bakery for a while and she doesn't have it anymore. She chose to retire, but she says, I wish I would have had this information before I started. It would have saved me so much time, energy, money, all the things, because I would have known you know, how to set things up and I would have known what to ignore and I would have known like a couple things to do or not do. And so, yeah, I got to go save some people. So (laughs) but it's been growing. What is the name of your first book? The Shake Up, Misfit to Best Fit in 30 Days. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that kind of stuff. So especially if you put Camille Diaz, you search for my name with it, then you'll for sure find the book. It's the one that's right behind me there. So anybody watching on video can totally see the book. The Shake Up. And we're going to put the Amazon link in the description of the show notes so everybody can go and find it. When did the podcast begin? And tell us the name of your podcast. Yes. So the podcast is called Money Heart. It started actually during lockdown. I also, in addition to coaching, because apparently that's not enough things, I have a financial (laughs) services company, started that because I was very determined not to screw up my money stuff again. After, you know, some business, not so great, some debt, a couple of times paying it off type of thing. I'm like, I'm not making this mistake again. I'm going to figure this out. So I did. And the company I was working with said, you're kind of good at this. Do you want to come to work with us? And I was like, I have no idea if I can do this or not. And they're like, well, we have a mentoring program. We'll teach you. Okay. So I gave it a go. Still doing it. Still love it. And I really wanted to start a podcast on money because I felt that people were struggling to have a money discussion. It was one of those things where somebody hears I'm in financial services or that I also have a life insurance license and you see a little human shaped hole in the wall because they go running out like a cartoon. Like, please don't talk to me. Go like they're just bailing. Right. Because they're so nervous to talk about money. Yeah. So I said, okay, 
how can I change this? And it took me a while to come up with a concept because I wasn't sure what value I could add in the financial services space as far as a podcast goes, you know, what to invest in, how to get out of debt, stuff like that. It had been done. So no need for me to add extra noise. During lockdown, I tell people my creativity grew back because I wasn't driving to appointments and I wasn't seeing a lot of people. And one day it hits me and I go, oh my gosh, we could explore the emotional side of money. And today, the day that we're recording this episode, 77 came out and it's been going great. I publish weekly. So (laughs) it's been going amazingly well. Um, I did take a break over the summer and then you and I recorded one that will be out soon. And it's so fabulous. We're talking about that concept you mentioned earlier of the over-investing and under-earning. And I love your insights in there. So I can hardly wait to share that one when it comes out. So it's going to be awesome. And I am going to put the link so everybody goes and subscribe to your podcast right now so they don't miss when it comes out. Now we're winding down, which is a total shame. I love talking to you. Everybody has to go and subscribe to your (laughs) podcast like now. Can you share with us, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? Yeah. So the thing that I coach people on the most and consult over is helping them optimize their business, helping them put systems and structures and and all kinds of stuff in place. We talked about calendars, like how to optimize your calendar, how to set your events, how to handle your task list, how to actually get your goals done, how to optimize your morning so it's effective, like daily routines, all this kind of thing. And I think the biggest misconception is people think that that means that I am doing everything absolutely perfectly, wonderfully well. That is not true. I'm a few steps ahead. I have a system for a lot of things I do really, really well, but I'm not perfect. I still have bad days. I still have days when, you know, the dog gets sick and have to cancel half my meetings and take them to the vet. I have days when stuff happens with kids. I have days when I don't feel like it. I'm just mm-hmm. like, just no, <laughs> just don't want to do. I have things where my task list doesn't get finished at the end of the day, or there's still uncleared emails. I've had people like, oh, your email inbox is probably always empty. And I'm like, no, I actually have a flagging system in there where stuff I need to follow up on doesn't get cleared until I followed up. So people kind of have this assumption that I'm doing everything like somehow magically, wonderfully, exactly perfect. And I never have clutter or never have a mess or never have chaos. It's not true. I just have a really good system for dealing with it when it happens and a way of processing so that I'm not stressed out about it. Yeah. And most importantly, not having everything perfect doesn't stop you from helping other people with their stuff, which I feel like yes. is what happens, you know, to new coaches is realizing themselves. I'm like, wait, but I don't have everything all figured out. How am I supposed to help someone else? You just do. If you can help someone, that doesn't mean that you have it all together. You've just helped them. Right. Who cares if it's perfect right. on your side or not? So lastly, If everybody who's listening right now had to do what you're about to tell them to do, and they have to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be? Go on your calendar and book some time for yourself. I don't think think anybody has done that in a long time. I think that's one of the things I find most people miss is actually blocking time off, whether it's vacation or it's recuperation time. Like just, I'm going to have a sleep in day, late start day, 
sit on the porch and drink my coffee day, or it's planning time, time to think about your business, time to like reflect on what's going on, time to decide what you want next. As entrepreneurs, it's very hard for us to get out of the habit of doing. We always want to go, 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 do, 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 because we feel like that's how we're making progress and we're going to be successful because I did the most. Mm -hmm. Not always the case. So if you have to do something in the next 24 hours, bust out your calendar, your diary, whatever you call it, and schedule some time for yourself to do something for you or for your business that you're not currently scheduling time for. Just block it off. Block off some time. I love it. Thank you so much. And Camille, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I love talking to you. Can you please tell everybody how they can follow you and where they can learn more about what you do? Yes, of course. Thank you for that. So the podcast is Money Heart Show. So you can moneyheartshow.com or follow on social media at moneyheartshow. My website is camillediaz.com. And if you want to go to the resources page, so just camillediaz.com slash resources, you'll find some free stuff on there, like common money mistakes business owners make. And I also have one on what to think about before you start a podcast. So if you're thinking of starting one, you can look on there and get some tips on like how to make it really simple. You don't have to wear costumes. It doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> I have a Facebook group called the Optimized Zone. So if people want to kind of see what I'm up to and see me go live, but I do like six minutes, no hour long rants. I've learned. <laughs> I'm sure people appreciate the brevity. I bet they do. I bet they do. Um, so the optimized zone on there and then on any other social media, I'm at cam unfiltered. Love it. Thank you so much, Camille. And we're going to put all those links in the show notes. so Everybody can go and join her sphere right now. Thank you, Camille. You're the best. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you can also become unstoppable by rewiring your mind after failure strikes. Stick around for the next companion episode where I'll teach you three ways to rewire your brain to persevere and get anything you want out of your life. And if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to send us your tip of the week for a chance to get featured on a future companion episode, make sure to go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash tip to request the full instructions. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.